Can you give them another hand clap this morning? Amen and amen. How many of you are ready to get into the Word? Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read two passages of Scripture, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. And then we're going to switch over to Matthew chapter 7. But again, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. You can remain seated. And this is what the word of the Lord says. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Brother Marvin, would you pray over this morning's message? Amen. It's good to see everybody out here this morning. Uh, I know that usually this is one of the lowest attending Sundays that we have due to deer season. It's like a national holiday around here, I'm telling you for sure. And when our children's church come up, I thought, wow, you know, what a great group of kids we had, even though we were down. Could you give them another great big hand? Wow, isn't that amazing? You know, a lot of times when we're sitting out here enjoying a church service, we got some workers back there that are attending a lot of children. And you need to be grateful that you got good children's church ministers that's back there ministering to our children. Isn't Mallory doing a great job? Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Way to go, Mal. And all of our workers. Good. I'm excited about being here this morning. I'm excited about the message. I want to thank you all for your cards and your phone calls and the food and the different things that you've helped us this week. It's been a hard week on the Miller family. And uh, we thank you, though, for all of your support and your love that you've given us to in the death of my mother. Uh, but she's home with Jesus. And we, you know, we, we actually got to the place where we were praying for the Lord to take her. And then after the Lord took her, I thought, what in the world did I pray? You know, it's kind of one of those, 
those kinds of a, a bittersweet situations. You think you're ready until it happens, and then you find out, well, maybe I wasn't so ready after all. But uh, them are the kinds of things we're attached to, to that old physical body. But we know where she's at, and we're happy in the Lord, and I know that she's enjoying her church service today. Amen. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. The text that I had read to you thought, well, why in the world is he so repetitious? Why is he doing this? Well, first of all, this morning, the Lord's laid a very basic and fundamental message upon my heart for this church. And though this message is very elementary, yet it is also very foundation to our Christian belief and also to our Christian experience as Pentecostals. And isn't it odd how that some of the most profound and the most powerful things can be seen and manifested in simplicity. A matter of fact, so much of the time we see that God overwhelms us and we have the wows, and it's yet so simple and so basic. Take salvation, for example, as profound and as magnificent as it is, yet it's revealed in the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't make it hard, because if he had made it hard, you and I might not have been able to be saved. If it was about our performance, if it was about our works, if it was about all these different kinds of things, you and I might have been coming up short. We not, might not be able to be saved because it was too difficult. But, you know, salvation's simple. It's just repent. Luke 13 and 3 says, I tell you, nay, except a man repent, he shall all likewise perish. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 9 that God's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but God's long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any of us should perish, but all of us should come to what? Repentance. And the Acts tells us that God once winked at ignorance, but now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So we understand that to be saved, you just repent. You ask the Lord to forgive you. And then there's admit, believe, and confess. We admit that we're a sinner. We need God. We believe upon Jesus Christ. We confess not only our sins, but we confess him as Lord. And that is as simple as it is. It's just A, B, C. Admit, believe, and confess, and you can be saved. That's why the Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 just literally tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we should be saved. For out of the for, for out of the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. And let me tell you, folks, there's nothing any more simpler than the golden text of the Bible, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Aren't you glad for the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you and I can be saved? So simple, it's so basic. That is profound. That is magnificent. But when you begin to study church life in America, you can see a variety of issues that merge among the different denominations, organizations, and churches, and religious circles around the world, especially in the United States. There are many dynamics that are in play when it comes to just simple church life. Many of them are set by the tones of their beliefs, their practices, their theology, and their doctrines. It's, who, it's what, identi what, the, what identifies them. It gives them their identity. It's who they are. Our doctrine identifies who we are. We are Pentecostal. Can I have an amen? Are you proud of that? Give the Lord a hand clap if you are. <clears throat> But also, there are some uh, uh, things, set, uh, dynamics that are set by tones of each local body's personality and the styles they embrace, which is usually set by our traditions. And there are other dynamics that are in play, which is determined by race and different people groups, which is usually emerges out of the culture that surrounds them. And we can say whatever we want to say, but different people groups worship differently. Race does have a factor in worship styles and the type 
type of services that we have. Right now in America, there are all kinds of different people gathered in all kinds of different churches, and they're expressing themselves in so many different ways. And a lot of it's got to do not only with their theology, not only with their doctrine, we, they can have the same belief and yet express themselves a little bit differently in each congregation because of their traditions. But not only the traditions make a difference, yet the race makes a difference. If you'll go to Mexico like I have, if you go to China like I have, if you've been to El Salvador like I have, been out in the mission field, you find out, even though sometimes they sing the same old songs, their expressions, their styles of worship, the way they react, their person, are totally different than what we're used to here in America. Matter of fact, you just go to a black church versus a white church a lot of times, and there's dynamics that are different just because of race. There's nothing wrong with either side of it. Can I have an amen? But them are the dynamics of what we call church life. But we can say whatever we want, but there is differences. Some of the dynamics that churches deal with in America, though, there are different. They are, they're some, one of the biggest dynamics that we deal with in America right now is that we deal with coldness and lukewarmness and difference, mediocrity, slothfulness, lethargic, lethargicness. When you go into a lot of churches, they're just dead. They're just dry. They're just stooped in religion. They're just stooped in their tradition and, and they, they box God in and they don't allow God to move. And, but that's their style. That's what they like. They don't want anything different. They don't want anything new. And the culture is running away from them and the church is dying in America in a lot of places. But then there are other churches that deal with overzealousness and emotionalism and fantasism and wildfire and over-spiritualization. You go into some churches and they're swinging from the chandeliers and everything's deep and dark and over-spiritualized and before long they run people away because of the weirdness and, and because it's odd and it's scary and you don't want to go there just because of all of the kind of craziness that goes on in a lot of churches. But nevertheless, now we could also talk about the apostate church and the false church dynamics and how that there's false doctrines and all the different kinds of sins that's displayed and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to talk about the true church here and their dynamics just for a little bit because I believe the Lord's really laid something very basic and simple on my heart. I want to tell you, I'm excited because I don't know where the Lord's going to do with this, but when I got it, I was a little disappointed in the message, to be honest with you. I thought, well, that ain't very deep, you know, and if just, just preach this. This is what I want you to preach, and then I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let the Lord work. But there are some denominations and churches that's more prone to be indifferent and cold and lethargic and mediocre by just following their traditions because they're more stooped in religion. While there are others that are more prone to be, you know, over-emotional or over-zealous or over-spiritualizing everything. And if we'll be honest, Pentecostalism deals with more of the latter as a whole than it does the former. The problem with this is that people tie the Holy Spirit to the church's misguided dynamic. And it causes people to want to withdraw from this thing called the Holy Spirit or Pentecostalism, not understanding who he is and what his role is within the church. Look what Jesus actually deals with within our text. I really never even thought of it like this until the Lord just showed it to me. But he deals with false phobias that could exist in the minds of people concerning this thing called the Holy Spirit. The people had an extreme or irrational fear of this thing called this coming of the Holy Spirit that he was talking about that caused them to want to dislike already before it ever even arrived. And it wanted them to, it wanted them to withdraw or to, you know, to be hesitant 
hesitate or to balk or to hesitate of this thing called the coming of this Holy Spirit because it was foreign to them and Jesus was trying to teach them. There was very little known about the Holy Spirit this particular time and Jesus was also preparing them for the manifestations that were to come because there would be some manifestations that they've never seen before. Isaiah prophesied and Isaiah that, there would, that God would speak to this people with stammering lips and another tongue. And matter of fact, there's all kinds of prophecies concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit, but yet we also know that he came with wind. He came with fire. He came with clothing tongues. That was going to be some weird manifestations. They had never seen anything like that. They had never heard anything like that. Can you imagine hearing the rushing of a mighty wind and feeling the house where they were sitting? They're clothed in tongues. They literally seen fire dancing upon their heads. And then all of a sudden, all these people begin to speak with other tongues. Now look at the dynamics. When you go in, when they go out in the streets and they begin to do this, people said, these people are mad. These people are crazy. Watch how they could not understand that kind of a manifestation. They even said, these men be drunk. But Peter said, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. This is, that was the prophet Joel spoke of. This is prophecy becoming fulfilled. But their understanding of the Holy Spirit could call, could, could, be, could, their lack of understanding, I should say, of the Holy Spirit could cause them to, to cause them to be rejected and ignored by the people. I want to tell you, their rejection would be more ignorant based than it would be based on rebellion or disobedience. They were rebelling against the coming of the Holy Spirit before he was ever even poured out because of their misconceptions of who he was. Now watch this. The people's rejection of the Spirit wasn't going to be because of their disobedience of Jesus' command, but as one more of fear. They were afraid. Now watch, you can see this in the text. I'll break it down in a minute. Even though Jesus commands us to be filled with the Spirit, how many knows that God commands us to be filled with the Spirit? That's a command of Jesus Christ. In John 20, 22, it says, and when he had said this, that's a phrase I want you to hold on to just for a moment. He said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Jesus breathed on them. He commanded them to be filled with the Spirit after he had said something. What did he say that was important? It's found in the previous verse in John 20, 21. Then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. Now Jesus knew that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit before they went out and to fulfill their mission. So he spoke peace to them again, the Bible says. So in other words, before he could fill them with the Holy Spirit, he had to settle their minds and he had to speak peace to them. The first time he spoke peace to them was when they were out in the storm and they had heard that word before, peace be still. And when that happened, the waves in the sea obeyed the voice of the master. And they said, who is this man that even the waves of the sea obey his voice? This was him showing his ability to calm the storms of life on our behalf. And I want to tell you, I thank God that we have a God that can calm the storms of life on our behalf. Like the old gospel song that says, he's the sea walker, the blind man healer, the leper cleansing man from Galilee, the soul saver, the one who sets us free, take his hand and follow thee. I want to tell you, no doubt about it, Jesus gives us peace in the storms of life. Can you give the Lord praise for that? Amen. Let's don't be lethargic here today. Let's give him praise. It's all right. Amen. However, it is here that Jesus the second time gives them peace. They had heard it the first time out out there in the middle of that storm and peace 
peace, be still, boom. But can you imagine that kind of an experience? All of a sudden, the wind stops, the waves calm down, the rain stops, and all of a sudden, man, I'm telling you, they have a, they have a revival out there. But now Jesus is saying the peace again. He says, and this is the second time that Jesus speaks peace to them verbally, outwardly. And when that happens, now when he says peace, it happens. Do you know what they felt at that moment when Jesus has just said, peace I give unto thee? Woo. Just like out there in the sea, peace, man, everything calm. If there was a calmness that come over those disciples when he spoke this. But the second time that Jesus speaks peace to them is in reference of them receiving the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, before he breathed upon them to receive the Holy Spirit, he had to speak peace to them or they could not receive him because they had too much fear and anxiety of this new thing that was to come called the Holy Ghost. And let me stop right here right now. One of the number one reasons that people cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit is because of the fear and because of the lack of understanding and the phobias that they have in life concerning him. Come on, somebody help me preach. The people had a problem, of, a problem of him. They had certain questions about this Holy Spirit. They had certain concerns. They had these anxieties about this thing that Jesus keeps talking to about when he's gone, the comforter's gonna come. All that kind of a thing. They didn't understand it. This is why that Jesus said in John 14, verse 26 and 27, listen to what he says. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, he explains who the comforter is, what the Holy Ghost is. I wanna tell you, the Holy Ghost is a comforter. That word comforter is a, 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 a word called the paraclete, one alongside to help, to comfort, to strengthen, to aid. And he said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give, give I unto you. Let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Look how he's establishing these disciples' hearts in peace concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit and their ability to receive him. Jesus spoke peace again over them concerning the Holy Spirit. And he told them he was a divine comforter. He was a teacher. He was a God. He's the one that will lead them all truth. He'll bring everything to remembrance to what Jesus had told them. He had to convince them that the Holy Spirit was just like Jesus. He was the paraclete. He was one of the self-same sort and that he was just like Jesus Christ. He had to calm their fear before he could fill them with his spirit. He told them the Holy Spirit was not to be feared. Listen to what he said. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And he's saying that in reference to them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God help us here. Their own phobias, their misguided ideas, their false imaginations about who this Holy Spirit was kept them from receiving or wanting to receive what God had to offer them in their future. And I'm afraid that same scenarios happen within Pentecostalism today. I think there's so much wrong interpretations, wrong uh, uh, imaginations, wrong uh, uh, understandings and teachings about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not just a power. It's not just an experience. It's not just an emotion. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the, tr of the Godhead. He is God. He is the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, there are many in this service today that is hindered in the receiving of the Holy Spirit by their own misconceptions of who the Holy Spirit is. Many of you in this service, if you'll be honest, you have a phobia when it comes to the Holy Spirit. 
There are certain fears and certain concerns and anxieties that you have of yielding yourself over to something you don't understand. It's hard enough to yield to my wife sometimes. If I don't, I get pinned, so I might as well yield without getting hurt. Can I have an amen? Boy, y'all are, y'all are not getting this today, evidently. But it's hard to yield over to somebody you don't trust or know or understand. And when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you and you have to yield to something that you don't understand, it's a lot harder. But if you understand that person, that they got the best interest out for you and they're there to help you, to aid you, to comfort you, to guide you, to strengthen you, it's a lot easier to yield over to. There are certain fears, concerns, and anxieties that each and every one of you have of just yielding yourself over to this thing called the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, just the word alone sometimes is get Holy Ghost. Oh, there's a ghost. That's a Greek word called guest. He's a holy guest. Can I have an Amen. You're afraid of what might happen or how you're going to act. or You might be afraid of what might take place. or You might be afraid of what's going to jump on you. If you get this thing called the Holy Spirit, there are many of you who haven't received the Holy Spirit for years due to the fears concerning this thing called the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of that has been caused by the dynamics of church life. You've walked into places where things happened that was real and there was things that happened that wasn't real. And then because of some of the craziness that goes on sometimes in Pentecostalism, we get detached from the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. And we create a phobia. And then before long, we get this idea, well, you know what? I can live without all of that stuff. I can be good enough within myself. I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit if it means all this, 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 and this. But the problem of it is your own phobia and your own misguided understanding of the Spirit is keeping you from receiving something that will take you into your potential and anoint you with dunamis, dynamite, power, for you to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. The Holy Ghost is not to be afraid, uh, to be feared. He's not, you're not to be afraid of him. Come on, somebody. And the truth of the matter is, we are all here commanded to tarry until we be endued and clothed upon with power from on high, just like the early disciples. They were not to leave Jerusalem. Jesus gave them that command, and they were to tarry, and they were not to leave Jerusalem And they were not to go out and fulfill the great commission until they be clothed upon by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Acts 1, verse 4 through 5, it makes it plain. Jesus being assembled together with them after his resurrection, and he says unto them, he commanded them, it says, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, for John truly baptized with water and repentance. But he said, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. Jesus commanded them to tarry there until they be endued with power from this thing called the Holy Spirit. It was a command of the Lord. We are not to quench the Spirit according to the book of 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Don't have time, but you, you can quench, you can resist, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, that this word quench means to extinguish 
are to put out, to dampen, to cool off, to lose feeling toward, to reject, to ignore. This also could be called, again, by the dynamics of church life, watching things that we, oh, I don't want that, we'll, put, we'll distinguish it, we'll put it out. And also, this word quenches in reference to putting out a flame of fire by pouring cold water upon it through rejection. Then that causes churches to become lethargic, cold, and indifferent, and mediocre. It means to lose awareness of, to reject influence from. You know how many churches come in every single day and they're not conscious of the Holy Spirit at all? They go through their routines. They've learned that they, they, they just depend upon raw talent. They come in, they have a format, and when you come in the door, nothing wrong with this because you can have an agenda, you do, can have an order, but I want to tell you, even though we have that here at the palace, one of the reasons we don't give it out at the door is because at any given time, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of this church, and the spontaneity of the Holy Ghost can take over, and he can change the order anytime that he wants to. We are not caving into traditionalism and we're not caving into a set order. We are Holy Spirit guided, Holy Spirit yielded to, and whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do because we're going to yield ourselves over to the Lordship of the Holy Ghost. And when a person just comes in, and just says, oh man, we got a good church. It's just a swell church. And they go through the religious activities and yet they're not aware, they're not influenced, they've pushed off, they've, they've put cold water upon, they've dampened the Holy Spirit, they've allowed him not to have any, or they've not allowed him to have any kind of voice at all in that service, then what happens to that thing is that they become cold and indifferent. And, you know, can you imagine pushing God off? or losing awareness of the presence of God, to be past feeling, to lose conviction, to be detached from, no longer influenced by. Yet there are all kinds of churches doing that every single Sunday morning. I refuse to allow that to happen to the palace. Call me weird, call me crazy, do whatever you want to do. Yes, God's a God of order, we got order. We plan, we prepare, we pray. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, God's still God, and God can test us. And if he wants me to shut up right now and stand on my head, that's what I'll do if the Lord wants me to do it. Can you say amen? Give the Lord praise. But there are all kinds of churches you resisting and grieving the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit crying, grieving over you? Oh, God help us. There's some that simply don't see the need for the Holy Spirit. There's some that have no desire for him. And some think, well, I can just do this on my own because it's too much trouble to understand the workings of the Holy Spirit. And yet the Bible says that if we'll walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that sometimes the lust of the flesh is to be the prominent one and over the influence of the Spirit instead of the Spirit being the prominent one. I'm here to tell you, I'll never be able to preach enough to take the place of the Holy Spirit. You'll never be able to sing good enough to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Your raw talent, though you're talented and you got charisma, and yes, there's an anointing upon you, let me just stop and say, nothing can take the place of the move of the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? Oh, help us today. But some just don't want to desire him. They, they just, you know, I've heard Pentecost people even say, you know, we just don't allow the gifts around here. They're just not worth it. What kind of Pentecostal church is that? Come on. 
This is rebellion. It's disobedience. It's right out self-righteousness is what it is. This is why that Stephen used the word resisting the Holy Spirit and describing such activity in the book of Acts 7.51. Listen to what he says. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did so to you. In other words, he called them that do such things, you're you're stiff-necked, you're uncircumcised, you're hard-hearted, You've you've pushed the Holy Spirit's influence away from you. And you're doing this Christian walk on your own. Come on, somebody. I like that old song. I forget who sings it. Right now, I just left my mind. Boy, it's right there at the tip of my tongue. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Can I have an amen? I can't go to Walmart without the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? Everywhere I go, I need the Holy Ghost. Folks, I don't know if you know this or not. You need the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? It's a serious thing to resist and not want the Holy Spirit. And there are those that's doing it out of pure rebellion and disobedience. There's no seeking. There's no searching. There's no asking. There's no hunger. There's no thirst. They just go on the way of life, going through what they call certain religious activity or religious disciplines, but they're void of the Holy Spirit. You know who them people were? The Pharisees. Pharisaical. Oh, Lord, help me here. This is why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3, verse 7 through 10, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, don't wait till tomorrow. Today, God wants to speak to this people. Do you know right now, God's talking to each and every one of you? Right now, God's talking to you through the word of God. The word I have is not an accident. I changed my message last night. I had a complete different message I was going to be talking about, the, the actual foreknowledge of God setting up the, the salvation for man. And I was going to go in detail about Jesus being the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Had it all ready, had it all, and the Lord spoke to me, and I was going to go deer hunting uh, uh, the, uh, Saturday morning, and I just felt compelled I need to go to the church. I come to the church, flop down, and God gave me this message. And God said, you got to preach that this Sunday. I don't know why I didn't have that the earlier part. Maybe because I was tied up in funerals. I'd been to two or three funerals this week. One of my mom, my mind was wiped out. We had family members in. We were dealing with graves and dealing with this and dealing with that. And, you know, you just get wiped out. And God just had to break through on Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon and give me this message for you. God's speaking to us. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as the provocation of the day of temptation of the wilderness like your fathers did. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my way. The Holy Spirit was actually grieved according to the word of God here. He cried over them because they did not know his way and as a result of it, they perished. Their carcasses fell in the wilderness and they died. And I want to tell you, without the empowerment and the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we'll perish. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof is destruction. What about the heart? Who can know it? Even your own heart can misguide you. I hear people all the time, just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. It's the seat of your emotions, and your emotions can lead you astray. Oh, but I feel it. I don't care what you feel. This thing's got to be spirit-guided. 
We've got to have the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. However, even though there is those that are not being filled with the Holy Spirit due to rebellion by ignoring, by putting off, by distinguishing, by pouring cold water on it, and, and, they don't, and, and they're doing it out of rebellion, yet there are those of you in this service today, you're not doing it out of rebellion, but you're not really seeking the Holy Spirit like you should because of fear. You have a phobia. Your phobia is robbing you of the Holy Spirit baptism and is keeping you from the, your potential in God. Oh, uh, I know I'm going to have to hurry here. You know what 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says? Quote it with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound mind. When you look at our text, you will see that they are almost identical. And I read them both on purpose. You think, well, why do you read it? It's the same thing. No, you might not have caught it like I did. But when you look at the book of Luke chapter uh, 9, uh, uh, you, you see, uh, uh, when you look in Luke, he writes in verses 9 through 12 exactly what Matthew writes in verses 7 through 10. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. To him that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh shall be opened. For everyone that, and then he goes in, if, and if a son shall ask a bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? If you ask for fish in the place of a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you ask for an egg in the place of an egg, will you give a scorpion? All those three verses are identical in Luke and also in Matthew. However, the problem is in Luke eleven thirteen has a little bit of a different twist and a different word used and described than Matthew 7 and 11. Look at Matthew 7 11 with me just for a moment. If I can get my page turned here. Matthew 7 11 says, If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? Isn't God good? God, now the Bible's telling us that. Now look at verse 13, though, of Luke. If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Matthew uses the words give good things to them that ask, while Luke uses the words give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Now, why would they do that? Is that a contradiction in Scripture? Is it, what is that? Look it up in the literal Greek and you'll understand it. There's no doubt or question. Luke is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit here, right? He says that, right? If you've been evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask, right? However, even though it is the Father's good pleasure to give unto us the keys of the kingdom, we know that it's his pleasure to give us good things to all of them that ask. We know without a shout out, he will withhold no good thing to them that walk uprightly. And it's not a violation of Scripture to say that God wants to give good things to his children. Every good gift, every perfect gift, coming from above, coming down from the Father of lights where there's neither reverence nor shadow of turning. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So, yes, it's God's good will to give us good things. So it's not a violation of Scripture to say that. However, Matthew is also referring to the Holy Spirit as well, and he's not just generally general petitions that he's talking about. He's not saying if you'll get down and just pray over stuff that's good that God will give them to you. That's not the real context of that Scripture. We have to rightly divide the Word of God and understand it. When Luke was talking about the Holy Spirit, Matthew was following up with it, but he used a different word on purpose. Matthew wanted us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a good gift. Can I have an amen? The Holy Spirit's not something to be afraid of or ashamed of or frightened by. This is why he said, if you ask a bread, is he not going to give you 
he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask a fish, he's not in the place of a fish, he's going to give you a serpent. If you ask of an egg, in the place of an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. Even so, what Jesus was communicating was, if you ask of the Holy Spirit, you will not get something bad in return. Come on, somebody. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to worry of what's going to happen to you when you have that experience. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask for fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. If you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a stone. He's saying, even so, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give you something bad. On the receiving of the Holy Spirit, you will not receive something harmful, sinful, or destructive. Matter of fact, there's so many people that cannot receive the Holy Spirit simply due to their lack of understanding of who and what the Holy Spirit is. There are many that are too frightened to even to seek him or to ask for him. There's some that is comfortable where they're at. They don't want their apple cart, you know, stirred up. So they just go on the way they have and just do the religious life the way it is. And they usually never grow, mature, and advance, and usually they become stale and cold and indifferent, and they become lost, and they don't even know it, unaware of the presence of God. God, don't let that happen to us. Let me say this without going into a great in-depth teaching on the Holy Spirit because we don't have time for it, and that's not what the Holy Spirit's laid upon my heart, even though I'm tempted to do that. I do want to clarify that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman, and he will not violate you, disgrace you, embarrass you. He's a good gift. Put all your fears away. Well, I've seen Sister Susie go up there, and Sister Susie jerked and fell on the floor and wallowed around. Sister Susie got up excited about it so it didn't embarrass her, but that don't mean that's going to happen to you. He's a perfect gentleman. Come on, somebody. When I was a young man, Pentecostalism wasn't really, you know what, popular. And I, I, we were coming out of that right about my age group, but even earlier than I, all the Pentecostal churches were on the wrong side of the track, you know. They were in the dark places of town. And the only body that really went there was the desperate that was needing something. Come on, somebody. I remember my pastor talking about a very, very wealthy person in his hometown, or maybe it wasn't in his hometown, but it was in a certain town where he was at, where he pastored. And um, she was very, very wealthy, and she always drove a big white Cadillac. And everywhere she went, she was always dressed in white, had pearls, every hair was in place, makeup in place, diamond rings, diamond necklaces. She's a very wealthy lady. And boy, she went to the certain church across town and is very lethargic and cold and indifferent and stooped in religion. The problem of it is, though, this little lady ended up coming down with cancer. And they only gave her so many months to live. And she had heard about those Pentecostal services. And she admitted later by her own testimony, but my preconceived idea of those Pentecostal services almost robbed me of being healed by the power of God. I was afraid to go down there. I'd heard all kinds of things. I heard they bark like dogs. And you come on. There's all kinds of phobias out there about Pentecost. They're snake handlers. Anybody got a snake today? If you do, take it home with you. We don't want it. We're not to tempt the Lord our God. We're not stupid. Amen. But she got in the Word of God and she got to reading about the Scripture and she seen about these guys that were filled with this thing called the Holy Spirit and how they went out and turned their world upside down. And yet, the people called them ignorant and unlearned men, but yet they were brilliant men and they 
had the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they turned the world upside down. She come to an old brush arbor, tent arbor, sawdust floors and her white dress, her white hat and all of her stuff. And she said, one of the things that I was concerned about was getting them dirty. And she said, I walked in and I flopped down. And she said, I was sitting there going to die of cancer. And I was sick. I'd already started losing weight. And she said, I sat down. And all of a sudden, the preacher got to preaching and things got lively. And I looked around and there were people lifting their hands, which was foreign to her. People clapping their hands. The music was loud and boisterous. And she said, everything about me, fear gripped my heart. said, what have I got myself into? And she said, and all of a sudden, something hit that tent. And I stood up and she said, I could not quit crying. I lifted my hands and all of a sudden, the preacher called her out and said, you, you're a sick lady. God's going to heal you today. And went over and laid his hands on her and bam, she went out into the floor. And she rolled around on the floor a while and she got up and she said, every phobia I have about the Holy Spirit is gone. Her makeup was smeared. She cried. She had snot coming out of her nose. And she said, I've come to understand that whatever the Holy Spirit does, when he does it, you'll be all right with it. And she said, but I know one thing. I walked in here with cancer and I'm walking out free. I'm a free lady in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you that you and I today need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need a spiritual church. We don't need a lethargic church, a cold and indifferent church. We need a church that's fervent, that's hot, that's boiling. We need people that know how to pray. We need people to know how to lay hands on the sick and they recover. We need people to be able to cast out demons. We need to have people to open blinded eyes to make the lame go. But we also need people to disciple people, to train people, to develop people. We need people that's full of the fervor of God. God, that's not afraid of the workings of the Holy Spirit. We need tongues and interpretation of tongues. We need prophecy. We need words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We need discernment. We need the working of miracles. We need the gift of faith. Come on, somebody. This is what we need in the 21st century church. We need all nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. I rebuke every phobia, every twisted mindset, every lie and deception the enemy's put in your mind about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will always do right by you. He'll never harm you. And if he does something that's contrary to your nature, when you get done, you'll be okay with it. You won't be embarrassed by it. Matter of fact, you'll get addicted to it like cocaine and want it all the time. Come on, I'm telling you the truth. Now, I can't get up here and say that the Holy Spirit will never do anything to you that is different and foreign to who you are. I'd be lying. He wants to change you. He wants to put you where he wants you. And everything he's doing is out for your best interest. Amen? Real fast, I'm gonna get away from my notes or we'll be here too long. In order to receive the Holy Spirit, you know what you gotta do? You gotta ask. Just simply ask. Amen? 
Ask and you shall receive. James says you have not because you ask not. Simple as that. But the concept of the modern day church is this. Well, I'll keep praying and over things, good things, important things. And I'll keep doing Christian service, Christian work. And I'll just keep doing the right thing and just keep praying about right things. And when the, God wants to give me the Holy Ghost, he'll give it to me in his right timing. No, you'll never receive it like that. You gotta ask specifically and call it out verbally with your mouth, I want and desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the word Holy Ghost in the Greek is holy guest. He will not come where he's not invited and where he's not welcomed and where he's not wanted. He's not an intruder. He will not violate your own free moral choice. He may try to persuade you. He may try to pull at you. He may try to convince you that's his job. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit will never go into a person and feel that person until they verbally ask and show sign and desire that they want him. That's why he said ask and you show us. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit in this context. He's not telling you just ask about petition. He's saying verbally open your mouth and ask for the Spirit of God. Amen? Isn't that good preaching? Simple, but isn't it simple? Now I got a, a lot on there. And then there's another thing you got to do. You got to seek the Holy Spirit. Amen? Asking's about petitioning, asking, desiring, wanting him. But seeking is uncovering, looking, searching. In other words, it now turns into a study thing. It's where you want to undercover the scripture to where you can get a clear understanding to help your phobias. It's where you take the word of God and you read about him. You take a book and you read about it. You listen to testimonies. You listen to preaching. Faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. You begin to seek him out. You begin to show interest like, where's my flashlight? The Holy Ghost is hiding somewhere in here and I want to find him. Come on, somebody. It's like I want to search after him. Happily, I feel after him that I might find him. Oh, hallelujah. It's like coming into a place and you know he's here, but he's on everybody else. Why ain't he on me? I want you. I desire you. I'm searching. So you begin to ask, go, Holy Spirit, come into my life. I'm petitioning. I'm asking, but something else I'm doing. I'm reading the word. I'm coming to understanding. I'm to know that you're a good gift. You're a gift from God. And the same way I was saved is by the free gift of Jesus. Now I can be filled with the Holy Ghost by the free gift of Jesus as well. I had a lot on seeking. I spent too much time up here last night. I'm skipping half of it. But then you got to knock. Our problem is we come, we get all fired up in a service like this. Man, we'll come and we'll ask. We'll petition. We'll desire. We'll search. And we'll hit the altar. And we'll have that good draw of the spirit. We feel the spirit. And then when it don't happen, we'll go home and we'll forget all about the asking and the seeking and we don't ever have any persistence, endurance to see it through. I want to tell you my, my story. When after I got saved, they kept preaching. On the, back then, every other service was a preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
You walk into church, get saved, next thing you know, you had five wildcat women on you saying, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you'd be down at the altar, and there was some of those dynamics I went through. Hang on, turn loose. Grab a hold of you and shake you. Slap you upside the cheeks. Come on. And a lot of that wasn't them being mean or whatever. Some of it was over zillionist. Some of it was anointed of the Lord, breaking down barriers in your life that you didn't understand. Come on, it wasn't all bad. But there was flesh involved in a lot of that. But buddy, I know what it's like to get down at the altar. You try to get up, a hand push you back down. Buddy, you ain't got it yet. We don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And we've lost the hunger, the desire, the, the persistence, the, the, the endurance of seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then after I got to where they saying, you need to seek him, and I got a little understanding, and I got hungry, Bill. I got hungry, and I went to a church. I started reading the scriptures. I started praying at home, praying in the car, be going down the road and just start bawling, oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And I was so miserable because I wanted the Holy Spirit. That went on for a good while. And during that one night of revival, John Paget was preaching. We hit that altar, and I ended up getting filled with the Holy Spirit that night. But prior to that, I wore people out. Me and Don Morgan saw it, and everybody was receiving around us. People were getting filled with the Holy Ghost all over the place. And me and Don, oh, God, fill us with the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, help me. What are we doing wrong, God? Da, 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 da. 12 o'clock many nights, 2 o'clock one night. We prayed everything we knew to pray, done everything we needed to do, and finally I just, I'm done. I don't know what to do. I'm just yours. Bam! I heard tongues from afar off. And I thought, who is that speaking in those tongues? That is so beautiful. That is so powerful. Who is, I wanted to open my eyes and look around and see who it was. I thought, them are the most beautiful tongues I've ever heard in my life. I've heard people speaking tongues all around me that night. People were jabbering all around me. But there was something about them tongues. I said, they're like angels' tongues. Who's speaking that? When I woke up, it was me speaking them. I had yielded myself to the Holy Spirit. Those of you that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, get rid of your phobia. Throw it out the door. Get rid of your fear. Get rid of your anxiety, your anxiousness concerning this thing called the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about what's going to happen, how you're going to act, how's it going to come. Watch the manifestation. You know, and the biggest problem people have is they seek the manifestations of the Holy Spirit instead of the person of the Holy Spirit. You've got to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. You've got to fall in love with God. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm preaching good to you here today. And, to, and one of the things that happened to me as well, prior to me receiving the Holy Spirit, my pastor's wife was playing the piano and she quit playing the piano. And she come down off of there and she whispered in my ear. And it was shortly after that, the experience I just said happened. She said, the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you something, Kent. You quit seeking for tongues and seek him. And I just started seeking the Lord at that point. I just put that out of my mind. Okay. And then, bam, here it come. 
It's all about a loving relationship and a surrenderance to the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, Holy Spirit. I promise you, Jesus made it clear. Matthew made it clear. Luke made it clear. God's not going to give you things that's bad. I don't know what it's like to drive a Rolls Royce. But if you offer me one, I'm sure going to take it. And yet a lot of us is driving old beat up rags. We're, dri we're driving the machinery of religion. And Jesus is coming by and said, let me give you the Cadillac from heaven. Let me give you the holy chariot of heaven. And we're resisting it to hang on to what we got. Oh, God, help us. This don't have to be a long service. It don't have to be a battle. I just want to start the proceedings right here today. That for me and my house, for the palace of praise, for me and my family, today we're going to make a we're going to make a commitment to be refilled, refreshed, or filled for the very first time with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking God for a refilling. They got filled on the day of Pentecost. They got filled after that. There were many refillings of the Holy Spirit. I can't preach that right now. We don't have time. I'll get off on that, and we'll be here an hour. I'm here to tell you God wants to revisit every single one of us with the Holy Spirit. And if the truth is revealed, some of us who's been in Pentecost for years has even backed up off of it the way we used to believe. We've gotten a little cold and lethargic to ourselves and we need to rekindle into the fire. I want everybody that would just to come and gather around as a family around the altar. We're not gonna be here long unless the Holy Spirit takes over, wants to do it. I'm not, I'm not orchestrating this service here on out. It's up to the Lord. I've done what the assignment, God gave me the assignment to do. I preached to you the word of God this morning. Now, come on, come close so we can get people out of the aisle as much as possible. Some of y'all come up here and stand on the stage. Come on up here and stand on the stage. Come on, come on, stand on the stage. Come on up here with me. I don't bite. I just hug. I just embrace people, love people. Holy Spirit, we praise you. <laughs> glory, glory. Holy Ghost, have your way. Some of you are coming to this service and some of you have experienced some of those weird things that's happened in Pentecost and you've been turned off. Some of you have had some bad experiences. Get rid of it right now. Cast it off. Right now is the time you say, Lord, forgive me allowing that hinder to hinder me. Throw it away. We're not all like that. And if you hang around Pentecost, it won't be the last time that you see it. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll know right from wrong. You'll know from error, from what that is right. And the people are in the growing process. Everybody's not perfect. And I've goofed up. 
you've goofed up and we forgive each other and we go on. But we don't let it create a phobia, a fear of us not receiving all that God's got for us and us reaching our potential. Well, I'm, I just don't understand it. Well, you don't have to fully, if you try to fully understand, you can search and come to a, a general understanding of the Holy Spirit by searching the scriptures. But if you fully understanding, then he wouldn't be able to be God because he's past understanding. There's some things I don't even understand. I've been in Pentecost my, most of my life now. We're going to trust in the Holy Spirit here today. I want you to start beginning as a family, as an individual, as a church members. To say, God, for the next few months, I'm going to do nothing begin to ask you to rekindle the fire in me. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, ask God. Verbally speak it. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to start seeking him. I'm going to start asking for him. And I'm going to keep knocking until I'm filled. I'm going to keep knocking. That don't mean that you knock here at this altar for a, a year without going home. You still got to live. You still got to work. You still got to do those kinds of things. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll get that kind of hunger, if you'll get that kind of desire, God will speak. Don't fear. I, I, you know, I already sense that there are fears trying to hang on to the people. I rebuke the fear that's trying to hang on to some of you in this congregation. I take authority over that spirit of fear right now that's here to try to influence you and to overcome and take the place of the Holy Ghost because it's the Holy Ghost that is to influence you. It is the Holy Ghost that is to guide you. It is the Holy Ghost that is to equip you. I bind the spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now reach up and begin to ask him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everybody. No matter if you've been feeling it, do it again. Just start asking him. Start, start making a commitment. This is what this service is about. That's what the Holy Spirit, some of you are going to be filled before you even walk out of here. Oh, Holy Spirit, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Holy Ghost. Come on, get earnest with him. Get earnest with the Holy Spirit just for a moment. I'm not going to hold you long. Start asking God, I want to know the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to know the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I want to know your workings. I want to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, fill me and saturate me. As a deer panteth after the water, but let my soul panteth after the Lord. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Blessed are the hunger. Blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after us. They'll be filled. Fill me, Lord. I verbally speak it, God. I verbally ask it. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. I'm wanting. I'm desiring. I'm enduring. Fill me with the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you ain't got that desire, say, God, create a desire in me. Give, create a hunger in me. As I seek, as I call out, begin to create a hunger that will drive me with passion to seek for this thing called the best. Let me see the need for it. Let me see the earnestness of it. Let me see the seriousness of receiving the Holy Spirit.
Now in closing, there's something about praying one for another. You have prayed for the Holy Spirit to come to your life. Now lay hands on someone and ask the Lord to fill them. And then we'll close out here in just a few. Now pray for somebody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just lay your hand on them. That's all right. Women lay hands on women, men on men. Hallelujah. Okay, now I want you to do something and we'll dismiss on this note. And those that want to continually pray and stay here, you stay as long as you like. We'll be here. But I want you to give the Lord the highest praise for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that? Thank you for it. Thank you for the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, just because I'm closing out don't mean you have to leave and the service is closed out. I'm just giving those that have to go where they don't feel bad. You are dismissed if you need to be. In Jesus' name.